Amen. All right. So this week you read uh, like the tail part of Ruth chapter 2. And so I want to back up because before we get, before we get into this, um, part of the big pieces of these relationships is, and what we're going to end on today is Boaz's relationship to Ruth as a kinsman redeemer. Okay, this is, if you, if, I mean, if you just Google Ruth, kinsman redeemer is going to be the next thing. And I know that's a, something you guys use in your vocabulary all the time. You're like, oh, that, when you go to a family event, you're like, oh, that's our kinsman redeemer. Um, and so I'm going to try to break that down a little bit for what is that, because there's obviously a lot of cultural uh, stuff packed in that. So if you would turn back to Rome, uh, Romans, Ruth chapter 2, verse 20. This is when um, Ruth comes back to Naomi and after she's been harvesting in the field or uh, gleaning in the fields, and she comes back and she tells uh, Naomi, everything that just happened, her, her interactions with Boaz and how Boaz uh, was blessing her and promised her all these things for, to provide and protect and all this. And so she comes back and she's telling this to Naomi. And Naomi, and she says, like, his name was Boaz, right? And, and in verse 20, it's uh, the second part of that, it says, Naomi also said to her, the man, meaning Boaz, is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Okay? So, Relative and redeemer are different things, okay? Relative is just like we all have relatives, right? There's nothing unique about that. But that word redeemer there is a title. It's, it's ga'al, okay? And, it's, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a significant term in Israelite uh, familial law. Like it's, if you go back to Leviticus, I think it's Leviticus 25 and Deuteronomy 25, you go back there and you can read about a lot of like what it entailed. But there was a relative that was responsible for the family, for the clan, for making sure that if things were lost, that they were responsible for regaining them. So if, if property had been lost by your relative, this, this kinsman redeemer, this relative, was responsible for getting that property and bringing it back and keeping it within the family. If um, somebody became impoverished during that time, and they had to sell themselves and their family into slavery in order to pay bills, um, the kinsman redeemer would purchase them back and pay their debts and bring them out of that. So it's this, it's this constant rescue. It's this restoration of what was lost. In fact, even um, if, you, if you remember, I think we talked about when we went through the Torah, but um, God created these towns that were safe havens um, for somebody who uh, committed manslaughter. And so he was, they, like these people, like if they killed somebody, they'd have to go out to these towns so that the kinsman redeemer did not execute what he was charged to execute, which was justice. And, so, and, it, and it's called the avenger of blood, right? So, I mean, this isn't a movie, but like this is really what the kinsman redeemer was responsible for doing. If somebody killed somebody in his family, he was responsible for executing justice, okay? This does not apply to our culture. We have, we have different laws, okay? Um, but this role as a kinsman redeemer was both uh, a responsibility but also a privilege. Um, this was, you know, this, uh, as you could imagine, if, if you knew who that redeemer was in your family, that would be somebody that was highly respected and somebody who was ready for the task. And, and there's just... Not enough time for me to like get into the whole depths of it. I encourage you to go Google it and go 
go dig in a little bit more on it. But, but this is a profound, profound responsibility. So when Naomi recognizes Boaz as a relative and a redeemer, as a title, she recognizes that this is a, a glimmer of hope. This is when she recognizes that, like, God's doing something a little bit here, probably, right? I'm kind of inferring that, but, but I, I think she, she sees this, and she's like, that's our relative. That's our redeemer. We need redeeming because she's a widow. Uh, Ruth is a widow, right? Like, they're gleaning in the fields. And actually, what we're going to see in the beginning of chapter 3, the harvest is ending. It's almost over. And Naomi's going, well, what now? What, what happens next? What am I going to do? And so, um, and so she sees Boaz as this. So I want you to turn over to Isaiah chapter 54. So this is about four to 500 years after uh, Ruth uh, is written. Um, but this, this idea of the Gaal, this kinsman redeemer, throughout scripture. This isn't just relegated to Ruth. Um, in fact, listen, listen to how it's described in Isaiah 54 of God as our real, true, complete kinsman redeemer. Uh, Isaiah 54, verse 5, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Gaal, redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit. Does that sound, sound like Naomi's predicament and Ruth's? Like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. Just like Jan spoke of, right? Like God, God wants to gather us. He wants to redeem us. This is, this is his role as God. Like, this isn't just Boaz's role to Naomi and Ruth. This is, this is Boaz reflecting God and his role as our kinsman redeemer. And it says, um, in overflowing anger for a moment, I hid my face from you. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your redeemer, your God. And so over and over in the Old Testament, we read of God being our redeemer. And Boaz is set up as this example. When we read the book of Ruth, we, we read and we go, man, look at what he does. Look at how good he is. He's a worthy man. We read that at the beginning of chapter 2, right? Our attention is not intended to be on Boaz. Our intention is... God's intention is that Boaz would reflect God's character in this as our redeemer. And so in the fullness of time, Christ comes and actually does the redeeming that we just read about in Isaiah chapter 54, right? Turn over to uh, Colossians chapter 1. Verse 13, listen to what it says about Jesus. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, God's redeeming act is through his son and look at what he does. He transfers us. It's from one kingdom to another. It's as if the redeemer has gone out and executed this rescue. Just like the Gaal was responsible for going and redeeming people who were sold into slavery, who were taken captive, 
He was responsible for going and rescuing them. And so God is the the storyline of Ruth, right? Boaz is just this person who is making the best decisions that he can, living a faithful life, and reflecting God in that life. And so Boaz is set up, and for the rest of the story, we're going to see Boaz over and over again to have these incredible attributes, not for us to praise Boaz, but for us to see God in the midst of that. And so that's the setup. That's, that's kind of where this is going. So when Naomi recognizes this, this is all in her mind. Okay, not, not Colossians, because she didn't, she didn't know about Colossians, and not even Isaiah's writing. She, like, she didn't know about those, right? But she knew what the Gaal was. She, she understood what the kinsman redeemer was intended to do, and she saw Boaz, and this was an opportunity for hope. And so now we get into this real predicament that we all go through. What does God want for my life here? What's my decision? How do I navigate this relationship, this work decision, this family decision, this, right? We go through this over and over. And so here's Naomi. And she sees Boaz and she's like, this is it. This is what God's doing. And she starts connecting these dots. And this is where it gets really tough because she goes, how far, what am I supposed to do and what is God going to do? What decisions am I responsible to make and what do I wait on God to do? We just saying, right, like, I, again, whatever. It, it talked about being patient. <laughs> I, I should write something down when I, this song's going. Right? It talked about like waiting on God, right? Like, and who here, who here has waited on God for something? Okay, who here is still waiting on God for something? I hope we're all waiting for Christ to return. Okay, good. Um, Right, so so there's this like you're waiting, but at what point do you stop waiting and you're like, I got to make a decision. I got to do something. I will tell you, and we say this when we we go through the, um, we have guys going through the eldership process. You guys don't ever really ask like deep theology questions. (laughs) It's not like, well, can you explain the Trinity to me? Um, what, how do we navigate, right, the, uh, the uh, inspiration of Scripture? Or can you explain to us how, how, you know, it's not that. It's what's God's, what, where does God, what, what decision does God want me to make here? What do I do? Here's this context. Here's this situation. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And none of us know. And we're like trying to discern God's will for our lives. Man, if that's not a prayer that you're praying like every morning, it should be. I want to know your will for my life. I want to know, and not in some, you know, like, what do I do here? What's the best thing? What's the God-glorifying thing for me to do in this situation? Because that's the real question. In our relationships, and whatever is going on, how do I glorify God in that? And if that's our pursuit, I think God will redeem it. I know God will redeem it. And so this is what we're going to watch. We're going to watch Naomi make a decision. And we're kind of Monday morning quarterbacking this a little bit, right? Like we're kind of looking back and going, yeah, I'm not so sure, right? You, you could do that in my life as well. And you could probably do that in all of our lives, right? Was that decision in faith or did you just make a decision and go with it? You know, sometimes we make decisions and we go with it. 
Probably not the best thing for us to do. But what's beautiful is that God redeems that too as children of God. He turns all things, right? We talked about this on the very first one, right? He, he's turning, he's in the process of turning uh, Naomi and Ruth's tragedy into something that's glorious and good for them and glorifying to him. And so we know that he can redeem these things. It doesn't give us the right to go off and just go, God will clean up my mess after me. I'm just going to go. It's not that. It's walking carefully, and, but also humbly knowing, man, I made some pretty poor decisions. I made a decision here that was faithless. Who here's made a faithless decision? <laughs> we do that. All right, so let's jump in. Ruth chapter 3. We're going to start with Naomi's impatience. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. You can hear it in Naomi's voice. Isn't this, isn't, isn't Boaz our relative... Isn't it my responsibility to care for you? Isn't, and this is, how we, this is how we make a lot of decisions. We deduce. And that's what she's doing, right? She's like, okay, is this an open door? Does God want me to walk through this? Isn't, she's working through this, right? And she's, she's trying to figure out, like, I think, if, we're reading into a lot of this, right? But, but it seems her verbiage is such that she's like, I, 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 think, I think God's setting me up for a decision. Like, I think I should be doing something here because I'm responsible for you, Ruth. Right? And we saw this in, in back in chapter 1. Like, Naomi is taking this beautiful relationship between Ruth and Naomi, isn't it? I mean, just an incredible relationship, faithfulness to each other and caring for each other. And so Naomi is taking this responsibility and she goes, if I'm responsible, then I think I need to make a decision here. I need to do something. I need to connect the dots. And here's the thing. Is it says that um, uh, Boaz is winnowing barley tonight, okay, on the threshing floor. Totally makes sense, right? Um, so that's like weeks later. So she was gleaning in the field. That's like, you can Google pictures of it because I was like, I don't know what these things mean, right? But... Uh, the commentators are like, oh, this is weeks later. And so, no kidding, like, they gather all the wheat, and then they go and they take it to the threshing floor, and they, they beat the wheat against the ground, and the grain falls out. That's, that's what that is. They're, it's the threshing floor, and that's what they're winnowing, I guess. I don't know. I've never done it. Anybody ever winnowed grain on the threshing floor? Okay. Um, but it's later, right? So, so I think what's happening is Naomi's going like, that whole interaction between Boaz promising to provide and protect for Ruth, Naomi was like, this is awesome, this is great. And then nothing else happens. And Boaz told Ruth, follow after my, my, my young women, go harvest with them. Well, the harvest is ending. And Naomi's like, He's not doing what I thought he was going to do. I thought the next step was that he was going to redeem. I thought, I thought that's where we were at. And Naomi's like, it's not happening. I'm going to do something. 
And she makes, and, and here's why I think this is, this is faithful to Scripture. Because the decision she makes is ridiculously risky. All commentators agree on this. Like what she asks Ruth, tells Ruth to do is dumb. It's just dumb. And I think it's the only connection is that Naomi's like, we're desperate. We got to make this happen. God stopped. He, he did all of these things. He put both, okay, it's my turn to step forward and start making things happen. I, I, this is what I think is happening because it's so dumb. <laughs> and, and so and we'll, uh, we'll walk through this. So um, look at verse three. She says, wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Okay. <laughs> so clearly, there's a seductive tone to this. I will tell you, commentators are all over the place on this. Um, best thing we can say is that this is dumb. This is a dumb plan. For a lot of reasons. I mean, even, even, even if this were happening in today's society, you would say, you're going to get shot. Like, this isn't smart. But in that society, it was even worse. Boaz has two responses, really. One, he wakes up and he compromises himself. Two, he rejects Ruth forever, casting her off. Aren't those the two responses that are going to happen? It's either a yes or a no leave. And so Naomi's betting on the 1%. She's betting that this kinsman redeemer Boaz is going to respond in some gracious, merciful way. She's right. <laughs> Incidentally, she ends up being right, and we'll get there. But she didn't know that that was going to happen. And so this is why we, we back up. We're like, man, I don't know, right? And so let me, let me package this together a little bit. Um, when they had gathered all the wheat, these things would be out in the field on the threshing floor. Like this is, these were, the, the owners would usually stay the night out in their field because they didn't want their grain being stolen. And so this was an opportunity that was rife with um, not good behavior. And it was a, a common thing for uh, unscrupulous women to go out there. And so this, there was already a stage being set that's just not good at all. Um, and so she puts Ruth in this situation. And she, she starts off going, I got to care for you. I got to take care of you. And then she puts Ruth in this place. It's like, is that the best thing? Is that really what God wanted to happen? Don't we walk through this in our lives? Now God redeems it. We know the end of the story, right? And we can't, but we can't look back and say, well, just because God redeems my bad decisions, that means I should make bad decisions, <laughs> right? And we've all walked through that, I'm sure. This is this, this, isn't this the tension we feel in our lives? And so Naomi, I think, is trying to figure out what to do and and she just makes this poor 
decision. So what does Ruth do? Ruth, in the same relationship, right? So here's Naomi taking responsibility for Ruth. Ruth is very obedient to Naomi. She basically, like, delegates her responsibility in this. So let's look at Ruth's delegated responsibility in verse 5. And she replied, that's Ruth, all that you say I will do. Okay. Which threshing floor is he at? Now, now to be fair, Ruth was new to Israel, right? She hadn't, she, you know, she wasn't familiar with everything, but but she kind of just takes this step and obeys. And you go, well, that's good. It's good. It's a proper relationship. But the question we need to be asking is, is that God glorifying? Was Naomi's decision to send Ruth glorifying to God? Or was it haphazard? Is Ruth's obedience to Naomi glorifying to God? Or is it irresponsible? Does she delegate her responsibility to Naomi and go, well, my mom and dad said I should do this, so I'm just going to do it, and I'm not responsible for my actions. Or my friends said, this was, I asked somebody for what they thought I should do, and they told me I should do this, and so I'm doing it. It's no longer my responsibility. It's their, it's their responsibility. We do this all the time, don't we? In fact, we seek out people to push the responsibility onto because it makes us feel a little bit better. Like, well, it wasn't me that made the decision. I, I found this person after searching many people that told me I shouldn't do it. I found this one person who supported my argument, and so that's why I did this, right? Like, is this not... I don't know if Ruth understood all that was going on. But it certainly, and we talked about this last week, it certainly does not seem like she is bringing glory to God in, in her obedience. It doesn't seem like she's, she's trying to be faithful. She's, she knows, at the very minimum, that she's going to go lay at the feet of a man in the middle of the night that is not her husband. Doesn't matter what culture you're in. <laughs> Ruth knew what she was doing at some level. And Naomi even says, and he'll tell you what to do. Well, that's that's ominous. What? what? And Ruth's like, okay. You know? <laughs> Sounds good. I'll let you know what happens. It, it's tough. And I, and again, I don't want to like I, I, it's very important that we, that we remain faithful to Scripture, right? And like, I don't think, and there's a good chunk of commentators that agree with this, and so this is, I, I, I don't think there was an intentionality of anything um, beyond what's written. I don't think there's reading between the lines. I don't think that there's actually something that Naomi was trying to make happen. I, I don't think so, um, and there's a reason for that, and we'll, we'll get to that as we see Boaz's response. But um, I, I, I just—I I think we're fishing for—I think we're fishing for trash. I think we're doing what what 
frankly, our society now does all the time and wants rumors and gossip and we want good people to fall. And we want to relish in them. So we can feel better. I, I think that's, I, I think when, when people try to read too much into this, and I get it, like there's clearly some like suggestive stuff in this. But it doesn't, it doesn't hold. It, Ruth was not compromised. Boaz was not compromised. They were not intending to be compromised. Naomi did not intend or hope that it was going to be, lead to compromise. I think she was hoping that this would jumpstart the redemption plan that God had uh, between Boaz and Ruth. I think, that, I think that's really what's happening. And I think we need to be really careful uh, because, man, you can read some stuff that's like, man, I think people want more out of it than it really is. Go read Song of Solomon if you want, you know. Whatever, okay. The tension here is crazy. So listen, listen to what ends up happening. Verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. Again, God's, God's reaffirming, right? Like she did, what her, her, she did what her mother-in-law said. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled. And turned over. By the way, that startled actually mean like it could mean shivered, which is kind of funny because she like pulled the covers back over his feet, off of his feet, and be like, "Bro, what are you doing? <laughs> it's cold." And turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Verse nine. He said, "Who are you?" And she answered, "I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer." That wasn't what she was told to do. She was told to just lay there, and he would tell her what to do. And so he goes, who are you? <laughs> what are you doing laying on my feet, right? Why did you pull my covers back? What's happening here, right? And she goes, I'm Ruth. And then she just, she's like, I, I got to imagine her eyes were like, ah, this is, I don't know what I'm doing, right? And she's like, would you spread your wings over me and be my redeemer? I just, I'm like, my mother-in-law told me about this gall thing. She said you were a redeemer. Would you be my redeemer? Like, hey, please don't, please don't cast me off. Because I think in that moment, she understands, like, this just got real, really quick. And Boaz really has about a 98.5% chance he's going to answer, answer. Hey, my math's not going to work out. But anyway, 50%, 49 point, whatever. Anyway. Nearly half and half chances that, that this is not going to go well for her. And there's like the slim chance that he's going to respond in a way that keeps her re reputation intact. What's cool is the words that she uses here. She says, spread your wings over me. You guys remember where that came from? We read this last week. Go back to uh, Ruth chapter 2, verse 12. This is Boaz blessing Ruth for all that she had done with Naomi, with her faithfulness to Naomi and caring for Naomi. And listen to what Boaz says in verse 12. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so Boaz is saying like, like you've come to Israel to take refuge under God's wings, right? You remember this? And then last week I said, it's funny because Ruth responds, no, you you provided for me. Boaz is like, God's going to put you under his wings and care for you and cover you and protect you. And all Ruth sees is Boaz doing that. But again, we talked about this last week, right? It's Boaz, God is using Boaz to do what 
he wants to have done, right? And so, so she, this, this, these words are in her vocabulary, and she's like, I heard him say this. Okay, would you do it? You do it. Super forward. Like, when Ruth says this, like, this is not a conventional, right? For, first of all, Boaz is an older gentleman. Ruth's young. She's a woman going to a man. She's a widow going to a single man. Like, there's all sorts of, like, this doesn't go in this direction. And in fact, that word wings um, is, like, really ambiguous and also means garment, like the edge of your cloak. And so it's a really cool piece here where it's almost as if she's pulling back the covers uh, off of his feet, which is a random instruction. Would we agree? Like, I don't know why that was part of it other than for this connotation. Pull the covers off of his feet and maybe put the cover over her. Put the edge of your garment over me. We do this, right? Well, chivalrous gentlemen do this. They offer their coat to their wives or girlfriends or whatever, right? Like, I know we're in Florida, so maybe, maybe today. Y'all can do this today, right? Are you cold, honey? Here's your coat. There, there's something to that, and that's, this, is, this is part of that. Like, to, to take responsibility to cover somebody, to cover your spouse, to cover your wife, is to take responsibility for them, to redeem them. And so that's what, this is a marriage proposal from Ruth. <laughs> this is not normal. This is where Ruth found herself. She's like, I'm now proposing to this guy. In the middle of the night, <laughs> on the threshing floor. And so there's, it's all backwards. And so Ruth found herself, in the midst of her desire to be obedient, the question is, is was she glorifying God in that? Or did she find herself in a really bad situation quickly? Now, maybe, perhaps, she walked down there going, like, this is going to be rough, but I believe that God can take care of it. Maybe. It doesn't say that. Maybe she thought that. But I know for us, right, sometimes we find ourselves in, in predicaments, and, like, I have to choose between this and this, and neither really seems like the right answer. You probably should never have been there in the first place. So let's look at Boaz's faithful response here. Verse 10. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. This is Boaz's response in the middle of the night. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever been woken up in the middle of the night, but I'm not my best. Um, my oldest daughter used to wake us up in the middle of the night as like, have you guys seen The Ring? Her hair would be like down, and she wouldn't say anything. She would just breathe. <laughs> oh, baby. And it was like... <laughs> That's dangerous. It's dangerous. <laughs> but that's not what Boaz does. He, he, he immediately blesses. 
he recognizes her, he hears her request, and he, and what we'll see is he knows her character. He knows her reputation. He knows what she's done with him. He knows all this stuff. He goes, I don't think you're in the right spot right now. I don't think you should be here. Like, you really shouldn't be here. But I know what you're trying to do. Man, if, if this isn't how God works towards us, right? And this is the beauty. This is the gospel. This is the good news. As, as children adopted by God, right, we're going to jack things up. We're going to make some dumb decisions. But if our decisions are in faith, right, and if we're like, I, I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing. I just, I just missed. <laughs> Put myself in a bad spot. God knows. God knows your heart. He knows what you're trying to do. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to pay consequences in, in you know, worldly consequences and things like that, but, but, he, but he knows. He knows your heart, and he loves you, and he wants to pull you close, just like Jan talked about. And this is what Boaz does. He immediately responds, may the Lord bless you. He sees in Ruth what only God can really see. Like, put yourself in Boaz's shoes. He's blessed this girl. He, he knows what's going on. Like, I don't know. I mean, the chances of responding like that are pretty slim. This is why Boaz is reflecting the character of God. And so he responds and he says, man, you have done even better now than you had previously. And what had she done previously? She had cared for Naomi. She had, she had chosen to not go back to Moab. She had chosen to stay with her widow uh, mother-in-law to, you know, basically destroy any chance of her having a, a real fulfilling life as a, as a mother and, and whatever, right? Whatever she was going to have with her family in Moab, like she abandoned that and went with Naomi. And what, what Boaz says in the middle of the night is, this is even more than that. Why? Because she was obedient to the point of caring for Naomi in such a way that she would sacrifice her life, right? Like she could have gone after younger men. She could have gone after somebody that's, that's more her life stage and, and, been, and, and like moved on with her life. But here's what would have happened. Naomi would have been left in the dust. You see this? Like when, when she agrees and, and obeys and goes to Boaz, Boaz redeems both Ruth and Naomi. He's the only one that, well, there's one other guy that can, and we'll get to that uh, next week. But he's the only one that can do that. So there's this beautiful thing where, where her obedience to go, this isn't the dude I would pick. It's probably an understatement. But she doesn't. And Boaz recognizes that. And then look at what he says in verse 11. And now, my daughter, do not fear. She was definitely afraid at this point. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know you are a worthy woman. That word, worthy woman, it's the same word that's used of Boaz in chapter 2, verse 1, that Boaz was a worthy man. They're the two people in this 
right, that are, that are seen. And, and Boaz recognizes her that she's virtuous. And this is why I go, I don't think there's any seduction going on here because Boaz goes, you're a virtuous woman. Not making the best decision right now, but you're a virtuous woman. I know your heart, I know your character. And so in the midst of this, right, so we, so we have Naomi making these decisions, right? She's in this relationship and man, she, she, she tries to, her impatience causes her to make this decision. Ruth takes this delegated responsibility and kind of, but Boaz, Boaz reflects God. Boaz looks past the decisions, looks past the sideways glance, looks past the comments, right, and sees somebody's character. And so glorifies God. And we have the opportunity to do the same. Like, in our relationships, in, in our interactions, people are going to make bad decisions and sometimes they're going to affect us. They're going to impact us deeply. The question is, is can we be like God? Can we, can we somehow look through that, look past that, look to their heart, look to maybe give them an excuse, maybe try to figure out where they were trying to go and cover them with grace and mercy the way Boaz does. And we're going to see that Boaz, and you're going to read this over this next week, and he's going to give her all these steps to try to just make sure that she stays safe. And then this is, this is the turning point of the story. He agrees. He says, everything you ask, I'll do for you. That's God. Everything that we ask, he'll do for us. If we're asking in faith. Not for our own selfish desires. God wants our lives to be glorifying to him. He gives us these relationships so that we can live in obedience to him and we can try to figure out which way to go and we're going to mess up. We're going to mess up all the time. But you need to check your heart. Are you trying to live? Are you trying to make the right decision? Be like, God, I wish I just knew which way to go and I would just go that way. And he goes, I know but then I'd have nothing to redeem. <laughs> you see, the redemption of humanity is not just our full redemption and our salvation. I mean, it is that. But he redeems our decisions. He redeems our lives. He redeems everything that we're doing as children of God. And so if you don't know Christ in here, if you, if you aren't a follower of Christ, I can't say these things for you, frankly. This is, th these are the promises of of redemption that, that God has for his children. The good news is, is that any of us can be his children. We just place our trust in him and not in ourselves. We place our trust in his son. We say, like, I can't, I can't fix my mistakes. You can't fix your mistakes, right? When you go in one direction, you're like, this, this is the bet I made. I, I, gotta, I gotta live it out and, fix, and, and try to do the best I can. But as a child of God, you have the power of the almighty God that's behind you going like, I'm going to turn all things to good for those who love me. Man, seriously? Even your mistakes. Let me pray.